Welcome to European Talks, the only podcast in the Western Balkans that focuses mainly on the region's EU perspective. Our guest today is Gergi Wurma, Program Director of Institute for Democracy and Mediation, one of the leading think tanks in Albania. We will talk about the current political situation in Albania in the context of the country's EU succession process, Gergi's findings on state capture mechanisms in Albania and the Western Balkans, and the expectations of the EU's revised accession methodology. Uh, Gergi, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, well, back in March, uh, the, the European uh, Council decided to open accession talks with Albania and North Macedonia, but certain conditions were set for Albania before this would happen. In fact, uh, the list of the tasks is quite uh, long. Uh, uh, what is your uh, assessment of the current political situation uh, uh, in Albania, first of all, and then in relation to all these uh, conditions that the EU has uh, set? They uh, include and relate to the adoption of electoral reforms, ensuring transparent financing of political parties and electoral campaigns, uh, as well as uh, judicial reforms, uh, setting up proper structures for anti-corruption and organized crime, etc., etc. What is your stance on, on this? Yeah, um, thank you, Sena. Well, et cetera, et cetera, that's, that's really um, an interesting um, uh, expression because um, we hear it a lot in, in, um, in Albania, especially in the second mandate of the, of the government and especially when it comes to the EU accession process. Um, let me start with the political situation because that's the most fun part of mm -hmm. my country, as usual. Um, at this point of uh, the, the um, uh, second mandate of the, of the government, usually um, things get more heated and uh, even more complicated. Um, it is the case even now. Um, while in spring this year, many of us got really happy about the, the news, about the uh, decision to grant the opening of accession negotiations, although with a lot of conditions, with 10 or 15 conditions. Um, a few weeks after that, um, everybody's attention was again focused on the political developments rather than on uh, the to-do list for actually opening the accession negotiations. Uh, so, as you know, as of last year, uh, the political opposition has resigned from their seats from the parliament. Mm -hmm. That has made really challenging the um, constructive dialogue that should normally take place between ruling coalitions and the opposition parties. And as you as we all know, uh, constructive dialogue, political dialogue is a precondition actually for uh, taking forward any kind of, of reform. So um, uh, both related to EU accession, but also reforms, uh, development reforms and other democratization reforms. So from this perspective, once you have heated political debate, um, of course, the focus and the attention is shifted away from the EU accession agenda and it's stuck uh, mostly on, on the uh, um, political calculations, next year we will have parliamentary elections and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, during the past year, uh, it has been difficult to find an institutional way uh, to bring the opposition 
back into the institutions because basically they uh, resigned from the from the parliament. They didn't uh, participate in the local elections. Basically, now we have uh, local government units which are controlled in 99% um, by the ruling socialist coalition, mm -hmm. uh, socialist mm -hmm. party, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, and that makes things even more um, uh, challenging. But nevertheless, through, as usual, with the uh, mediation of internationals, uh, EU and US in Albania, finally, uh, ruling coalition and the opposition came into a um, uh, consensus about what they call it uh, electoral reform. Mm -hmm. But according to the opinion of many independent experts, uh, that agreement is uh, just a set of conditions to um, actually conduct uh, uh, elections rather than any deep reform. Um, mm -hmm. On the other hand, uh, there has been an ongoing uh, discussion, public debate about opening up of um, MPs candidate lists put forward by, by political parties during, during parliamentary elections. And that has been a momentum that was used by the uh, ruling socialists uh, mm -hmm. who after the June 5th um, agreement with the uh, DP, Democratic Party, took a, a step further and uh, introduced also constitutional amendments that would allow for at least two-thirds of the party lists, um, the, the citizens to uh, have the, the possibility to vote not only for the party, but also yes. for the specific candidate in the party. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, before uh, summer holidays, this was all the political debate focused on, in addition to the uh, mutual uh, accusations about um, corruption, state capture, uh, crime, um, lack of um, proper uh, strategy to deal with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, media freedom and so on and so forth. So in the next few months, while Brussels might have expected from Albania more work on the uh, EU accession agenda, uh, I suspect that that will not happen. Uh, rather, uh, since elections will be sometime in spring next year, yes. the electoral campaign uh, usually starts six months before that. So uh, mm -hmm. I do expect uh, um, even more heated debate in the in the country, oh. and that probably will uh, answer what happens um, to the EU accession. The the set of conditions it is divided into two parts. The, there is a first part set of conditions that uh, are linked for to the opening of the um, to the holding of the first intergovernmental conference, and then. Um, and these conditions include uh, electoral reform, holding free and fair elections, uh, progress with uh, judicial reform, public administration reform, and so on. Uh, then there is a second set of conditions uh, that uh, is linked to the holding of the second intergovernmental conference. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the second set is even more challenging because it includes conditions that 
do not really um, do not fully depend on the executive uh, branch or on the political um, parties, but it does actually depend on the outcome of certain judicial proceedings because mm -hmm. um, one of those conditions, for instance, is, uh, for example, the um, prosecution of um, electoral fraud uh, that has been um, published in the media for the 2017 uh, parliamentary elections. There is a, there was a huge scandal that was built uh, was published actually even by Bild um, newspaper in Germany. Um, then there is um, another condition is uh, the completion of uh, the Supreme Court and the Constitutional Court, which both courts are uh, currently inactive due to. Uh, lack of judges, um, that uh, it's been a very difficult process because of the vetting process uh, that has been kicking out um, corrupt um, judges and prosecutors. So it is difficult to fill in uh, the, the new seats, basically the Supreme Court and the uh, Constitutional Court uh, judges were all kicked out except for one judge each. So. Uh, uh, it was quite a shock, and it's becoming even greater shock now to fill in the, the, the places. Mm -hmm. uh, so this might take uh, longer, um, and it will definitely extend beyond the uh, general elections of the of the next year. Uh, mm -hmm. Many of us were hoping that the holding of the first intergovernmental conference would happen sometime this year, uh, but given the progress of addressing the first set of conditions, I really doubt that uh, that will happen. So we might uh, see again a reopening of this uh, dilemma of coupling or decoupling accession processes of uh, Albania and North Macedonia once again this autumn or winter. Um, well, I think that's, uh, that's uh, practically happening uh, mm -hmm. because at least for North Macedonia there is no uh, condition or there is no barrier there to, to hold the first intergovernmental conference or even the second. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And certainly no barrier that might be linked with uh, with Albania. I, I think um, the opening, the decision of this spring uh, show a certain level of fairness towards both countries. Mm -hmm. But I think that from that point onward, um, Macedonia and Albania are in a way free to, free to go. So basically uh, each country's progress will depend on its own uh, on its own effort and yeah. it won't be linked with uh, uh, lack of progress in the other country, uh -huh. which was happening for the past two years. Basically Albania was taking hostage uh, North Macedonia for two years. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Uh, when you describe the political landscape, current political landscape in Albania, uh, it's something you very vividly describe also one part of it, segment of it in your uh, recent uh, essay paper, where on the one hand you uncovered uh, the gradual steps which have led to the situation in which state capture networks and their corrupt interests are being enshrined and protected by law. And on the other hand, where you raise attention that the existing approaches uh, uh, to counter this phenomenon fail to grasp it in its entirety. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about that research you've done? 
Um, yes. Um, well, actually, that is uh, has been part of a broader research, regional research, uh, where IDM is covering uh, Albania and myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, under that research, I'm covering the tailor-made laws, basically laws that are uh, developed, promoted, um, sponsored, and adopted to protect. Uh, certain certain interests. The findings of this regional research uh, will be soon launched. Uh, very soon, um, TI Transparency International will launch a regional database, mm-hmm. which includes specific, concrete cases of laws and of grant corruption cases that judiciary has failed to um, to address in each of the six Western Balkan countries plus Turkey mm-hmm. with concrete cases uh, where uh, there are clear signs of uh, state capture. And I think this will be one of the um, most important milestones in uh, the region's research on state capture. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on those um, data, I mean, there is a huge um, that I said that we have developed for for Albania. Um, I decided to write this piece more um, with the objective to focus on the mechanism. What was the uh, what was the mechanism behind that made possible uh, this new uh, phenomena? Uh, well. Uh, Maybe it's not so new because many people in Albania, but also in the region, have long uh, talked about uh, such laws being adopted to protect certain uh, individual interests and certain uh, interests of of um, illegitimate networks. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least now, in a way, we have concrete proof and evidence of those um, of those um, procedures and uh, of those practices. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting to note uh, the evolution of the mechanism. Uh, over the past 25 or 30 years, um, it seems that the mechanism has evolved unbothered much by uh, uh, the efforts of our own countries, but also of efforts of international supporting our reforming efforts to, to address or to prevent them. So once we've been dealing uh, mostly with uh, petty corruption, those networks have moved a step further. Uh, once we started to think about grand corruption, uh, the same networks uh, had already reached a higher level, which is uh, ultimately the, the tailor-made laws. Um, the mechanism, um, uh, there will be, there should be more research uh, and analysis about the mechanism, not only in Albania, but also in the other Western Balkan countries. Um, I believe there are common features um, from one country to another, as much as uh, specificities linked mostly with the context of, with the national context. Um, but um, in a nutshell, um, I would I would argue that uh, uh, the the these networks of illegitimate economic and political interests mm-hmm. um, have followed uh, the same path uh, or the same pattern of evol- evolution. Uh, they moved um, towards uh, capturing the institutions 
and when um, their moves were uh, seriously threatening, then they uh, started capturing basically the the lawmaking processes, basically the processes that uh, shape the rules. Uh, so they don't have to break the rules anymore, or they don't have to capture in institutions who would uh, tolerate them for breaking the rules. Uh, but now they shape their uh, the rules um, uh, as they pleased. Mm -hmm. um, finally, I argue that uh, the next step in in uh, in the strategy of these networks is after they have succeeded in uh, in in uh, uh, you know tailoring the laws according to their interest. The next step is to make the public support uh, their their uh, you know these tailor-made laws, not openly but indirectly. And um, I think uh, that's what we are witnessing in uh, in Hungary, in Poland, mm -hmm. um, to a certain extent in Serbia. Um, well, uh, in some parts also in in Albania, but also in some other countries. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, people people. Um, although they might uh, suspect. Uh, but in an era of, uh, you know, um, alternative facts and and uh, fake news and uh, you know and everything, uh, it's very easy to manipulate pub uh, public opinion and it's very easy to manipulate um, public support towards um, certain certain measures. Although uh, a certain measure is clearly uh, in breach of uh, democratic principles with the power of um, you know media manipulation you can turn that measure into uh, something that looks like um, serving to the national interests mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think that's uh, where this that this um, uh, illegitimate networks are heading uh, yes. already yeah and now that you uh, managed, uh, let's say, to to cut their way, uh, what would be your suggestion uh, how to to counter this evolving uh, mechanism and uh, society capture, even that you 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 used as a notion? Yeah, the yeah, it's exactly um, the next step uh, that I mentioned. It, it it involves a context where you have societal capture and uh, that's something that from time to time we witness it in in the in the region um, what's the next step the next step is not easy um, because it depends on us it depends on um, partnering with the right um, alley which is the citizens um, using the right tools which is evidence and um, and facts, and that's not easy uh, recently. Mm -hmm. um, but it also requires um, closer links and more frank cooperation and stance uh, uh, from the EU and other international partners that are supporting our, our reforming efforts. Mm -hmm. And this is where the tricky part is, um, because it's this frank and uh, decisive efforts between, uh, let's say, EU, Brussels, and us, uh, 
-hmm. should evolve not only uh, should take place not only in relation to Albania or Western Balkan efforts, but it should take place especially within EU. Yes. Because our models very often take credit um, from the EU and uh, use that uh, that uh, that 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 uh, perception um, in front of uh, our constitu constituencies, and in return, it is our constituencies who would see I don't know Rama or Vucic or uh, Djukanovic or whoever taking nice pictures with uh, EU institutions and EU leaders, and offering back them support. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, the models um, are not only observed in Poland uh, and Hungary with uh, Orban, or even Slovakia, even, even Malta, um, but mm -hmm. um, also in other, in other EU member states. And um, as long as EU fails to uh, take a strong position to say, to stop such um, backsliding of democracy in its mm -hmm. own in its own uh, house. Uh, it will be very difficult um, for our citizens in the in the Western Balkans to start believing that the EU is serious about helping us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in that context, uh, do you think that the new accession methodology promises uh, to bring? Uh, any benefits to our accession process. You mentioned it and noticed it uh, uh, that, for example, civil society is never mentioned in that document. Um, yes, um, civil society was not mentioned in the in the first draft that the Commission, um, let's say, shared. Um, well, you know, I'm not very optimistic about the new methodology for a number of reasons. Um, but we haven't seen yet a detailed document that uh, would uh, elaborate in detail how the new uh, approach will, will look like. I mean, uh, uh, in July, it, well, the EU was supposed to uh, publish the new guidelines for accession talks for Macedonia and Albania. I understand that document should um, be adopted by the Council um, sometime in, in autumn. Um, maybe, uh, maybe then we will see uh, if uh, what are the substantial differences, although as compared to the to the previous approach. Although I do suspect that there will be any. Uh, groundbreaking uh, novelties in the in the new in the new approach. Um, I was particularly happy to see uh, that in the first cluster of um, chapters, the fundamentals, uh, the EU has included uh, important chapters like public pro procurement, chapter five, uh, financial control, um, because it has been um, a very disturbing phenomenon. Uh, that uh, the governance system in our countries having the possibility to bend the rules and to shape the rules ac according to their interest, not only misuse our own state, our, our own budget, but mm -hmm. they are misusing also EU funds. Yes. And uh, this is really 
regretful situation because in a way it is the EU money that uh, it, it's uh, uh, making possible um, some democratic backsliding in our in our yeah. countries. And uh, that's that's really regretful. Um, and I was very happy to see that chapter five and uh, the other chapter on financial control is um, included in the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. However, this is not a matter of um, with which chapter are we going to start. Uh, the new methodology should be clear on uh, what are the concrete uh, measures that will make sure that uh, the, the uh, fundamentals are there to uh, the focus on the fundamentals is there to to stay and there will be no bargaining with uh, with that cluster um, it should be uh, more clear on um, how are they going to support other um, how are they going to to uh, support other aspects of the democratization forces and democratization um, reforms in the in the country. How serious is the EU um, about that? And um, and um, how and if at all it will partner not with leaders but with uh, agendas. Mm -hmm. This is something that I think uh, the EU must. Uh, embark on. Um, we've seen in the past 20 years uh, the EU being super happy about one leader or the other leader at their first mandate and claiming them to be huge reformers and pro-Europeans and so on and so forth. And only in the second uh, in, in the in the second mandate and onwards, seeing and witnessing those big reformers becoming oligarchs and becoming uh, rulers of of this of this uh, of this region mm -hmm. i think the eu but also our citizens should um, be clear to uh, pay to give unconditional support to the agendas rather than to leaders uh, it will be a process for that to happen but um, i'm 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 hoping but it's something that needs to start i mean uh, not only youngsters, but any citizens in the Balkans had had enough uh, in supporting uh, big reformers. At least mm -hmm. in Albania, we've seen two or three such big reformers turning into autocrats. Yes, yes, indeed. That's uh, widespread in the entire region. And we together as a Think for Europe network are relentlessly, I think, working on and, and, and advocating for these changes and will continue to do so. Jerji, uh, thank you very much for this uh, talk. Thank you. Um, th thank you for the opportunity and um, good luck. Best of luck. Mm -hmm.